Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening, it is the 11th of August and you are tuned into Law Focus on Vow FM 88.1 with Melissa Tindueni and Tapwa Muhati. Hope all the women had a pleasant Women's Day amidst all the challenges and difficulties we continue to strive toward. It really has become one of those solemn commemorations with many unanswered questions. We shed spotlight tonight on the awful plight of police brutality under the lockdown regulations. What you can look forward to this evening is someone, Titus Manetti, an Alexandra resident, sharing their experience of police brutality, surviving a shooting earlier in March when the lockdown was instituted. We also have IPUT spokesperson Ndile Gatola, who will then speak to how they have a duty to hold the police accountable, including for acts of brutality against citizens, and whether they are doing a good job at it. This is all part one of our focus on police brutality under the lockdown regulations. Part two will continue next week, Tuesday, the 18th of August at 7 p.m. right here on VFM 88.1. But before we proceed to the conversation for the evening, let us have a look at what top legal changes and stories are taking place that might affect you and you need to know about it. Here are our legal hotspots for the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, the stories week. of the week is Legal Hotspots. The ANC in Gauteng are expected to start investigating allegations of corruption against some of its members, which include Kusela Diko, she's the presidential spokesperson, and Bandile Masuku, who is the MEC for Health in Gauteng. Some of the allegations are that uh, Diko's husband, Tandi Sizwe, was unduly awarded a 125 million rand contract to supply PPE to the Gauteng government. Now, the Gauteng province has been identified as the epicenter of the epidemic. Now, this comes after Justice and Correction Services Minister uh, Ronald Lamola on Thursday announced that 36 corruption-related cases are being investigated and are at various stages of prosecution in an attempt to weed out the rampant corruption. In our second legal hotspot for the evening, there have been some changes made to South Africa's border system, which will ensure that cross-border crimes, such as the trading of illicit cigarettes, which has increased under the current national lockdown, are better dealt with. New legislation was introduced in July, bringing into effect the Border Management Authority Act 2 of 2020, which will ensure that travel between borders is secure and all movement is legal, to also prevent the smuggling of human trafficking amongst other measures. So to everyone who makes use of borders, let's acquaint ourselves with the new laws and powers of the border officials. And only time will tell whether these new measures will render themselves effective. And in our last story for this evening, the Office of the Presidency has announced that South Africa is one of the countries selected as a global leader for the Generation Equality Action Coalitions to accelerate gender equality, economic justice, gender-based violence, and femicide by the UN Women. Action coalitions are global partnerships that drive actions to advance gender equality and women's rights towards an equal future. Each coalition is expected to launch an immediate concrete action between 2021 and 2026 to deliver tangible impact on gender equality 
and rights of women and girls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are our legal hotspots for the evening. Please do stay tuned before we continue to the next conversation with Millicent Ndiveni and Tepo Muhapi on Law Focus right here on Bowie M88.1. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week, legal hotspots. I will tell you that she is a bone made alive with distinctions that set her apart as does the difference between a firefly and a new poem. What does woman mean to you? Whether it means being a go-getter or it means being yourself unapologetically, we celebrate you this Women's Month on Valfem 88.1. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Collaborating among several nations facing an international outcry over increases in COVID-19 related violence against residents by law enforcement officers. In most of these incidents, you get that poor and vulnerable populations are the ones who are most affected. It's unfortunate that some of the victims have succumbed to relationship abuse, something that is absolutely uncalled for. Painful. Though his experience may be, Titus Manetti from Alexandra is one of the fortunate victims who survived these fatalities. He came up tonight to share his unfortunate, regrettable experience. Titus, welcome to No Focus. Thank you for joining us this evening. It's a pleasure. So, how about you go through the 31st of March? It started off as an ordinary day for you, however, things turned for the worse at a later stage. What exactly happened that afternoon when you're coming home from the shop? Oh, yeah, I remember clearly it was on the 31st. It was on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, something to five. I was from the, from Boxer Superstore, uh, from buying. So on my way back home, um, I requested a taxi to, to, to deliver me at my gate as I had too much to carry of the grocery. So as I arrived by my gate, I offloaded the first load of the grocery and then went into the house, dropped it. And then on my way, the outside to the taxi, um, as soon as I arrived, uh, before I could even reach the taxi, there was a, a Toyota Corolla. It was white. Uh, it didn't have any print. It was tinted, uh, it had tinted windows. So to my surprise, I just had someone um, opening the window and shouting at me, pointing a gun at me also, saying that, um, get inside the house, what you want outside? And then just started firing shots at me. He fired about uh, five shots, and then only two caught, caught me on my um, left, uh, left, left, left hand. So I started to run inside the house now, and then uh, um, because now I, I wasn't thinking straight, I even forgot about my grocery, but after 10 minutes, I went out uh, to check again. Uh, there was no car anymore, and then that, that, the, the, the taxi had already left with my grocery also, because they didn't know what was happening, actually. Yeah. That's painful. That's painful. So, how did you feel when they were pointing a gun at you? Whilst you, were, you were still in the taxi when they pointed a gun at you, right? I was not with you. Well, at, at, at first, I thought I, I, I thought maybe uh, they were just pointing just to chase me away. But 
Um, I, I started hearing shots and then I, I saw some blood, blood uh, flowing out of my head. That's when I, I noticed that this thing is serious. Let me run away from my life. For my life. Sure. Mm. Are you other passengers? Uh, uh, they were still in the taxi, and then I went out to take the grocery inside the house, and then I was coming to fetch uh, the last load of my grocery. So when I, after after the shot, I went to check the taxi. The taxi is gone because I think he just had the, the uh, uh, fire fire shot. Maybe me getting shot, and then they, they started maybe. Uh, moving with this guy, you know, because he never knew what was happening. Because those people, they didn't have a car that can show that it's a police was It's like those who were Toyota cars, and then, but it's only that I saw them inside the way. Uh, pol- police, I think it was counting policing. Those ones who wear that brown uh, uniform, like, uh, close to the Metro Police one. Oh, yeah. Sure, everything seems to have happened very quickly. So after after the gun shot, um, you know what what exactly did you do? And you know the the police as well. They did they just drive off? Like what was it like immediately after the you know it was clear that you were hurt? Um, I went outside to 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 look for someone to take me to the clinic. So when I uh, when I go outside the gate. There was this other old man uh, next door to me. And he was shot on the hand. I think he started thinking before coming to me. And then there's this other one who shot the other guy, the Zimbabwean guy. He stay on the opposite also. Um, he witnessed those people uh, shooting at me. And then I heard him telling me that uh, they also shot me on the side, saying to him, what are you looking at? Oh. Uh, yeah. The police, they just drove off after that incident. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and they wasn't anything that, that kind, there wasn't a confrontation or, you know, like an argument or anything like that? Nothing like that. It's just someone just opened the window, get inside the house, what are you doing outside? And then, boom, just started firing shots. So, and have you managed to have a complaint with artists? Although you were, you know, you, because you were shocked, you might have been severely hurt. 
Um, so how does this incident affect you emotionally and physically? And do you feel that maybe that also somehow affected your work? Um, yes, it did affect me emotionally because even now, you know, when I see uh, the police and stuff, you know, I... I become some, I become emotional and I become some, I become even bitter, you understand? Yeah. Um, yeah, so even at the end now, uh, I'm still on the outside, but in general, there's still those things, especially when in the, in the, in the, in the cloudy weather, that's where I start feeling things because um, it has opened the hole uh, because you could see my bones. And so now that bone is stiffer. I live on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still, I'm still in the pain. Mm-hmm. So, and at work, are you managing though? Yeah, yeah. And, and no, I, I, I'm struggling a bit because now at work, we carry heavy stuff because we work with furniture, uh, aluminium, steel, so it's hard for me to carry such stuff. Mm-hmm. Because immediately I carry something heavy, uh, my hand starts to shake, so yeah, that's the problem I'm facing now. Right. And tell me, what would you like to see happen uh, to the perpetrators, you know? What would you like um, you know, to, to happen to them? But also, uh, what would you like for yourself to try and, and make this uh, incident more bearable? Well, I, I don't, I don't want much, but I, I need, I need to be compensated for for what they did to me because what they did to me is something that is uncalled for. Absolutely. Titus, your your story is painful. Um, you know, it's a reflection of how you know the police use their power um, in a very unfortunate manner right now. You are the one who has to deal with the trauma, the physical pain, being unable to work properly. You know, um, your income is affected because of these kind of things. And and I think we'd really like to thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. Um, uh, Titus Manet, he is an exchange presenter resident uh, who shares uh, the painful, painful uh, story that he enjoyed by the police. Uh, we really appreciate your time and I thank you all the best with your legal case and do keep well. Okay, no, it's all only a pleasure and then thank you guys for having me on your radio show. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Law Focus on Balfang 88.1 Point of Information. All right, so welcome back. We're now joined by the spokesperson for the for IPID, uh, the Independent uh, Police Investigative Director. Uh, Ms. Njileka Kola, uh, who will be giving us a breakdown of the case that have been opened against the police so far. Uh, while outdoor activities are now allowed, the interprovincial traveling and the sale of alcohol are still prohibited countrywide. The enforcement of these stringent policies has seen many, many law enforcement officers being deployed all over the country in the last few months. Uh, some of these, of course, have led to complaints about the police um, and some of the activities. And the people that handle these types of, of uh, complaints is IPID. So we're joined by Mr. Delega Kola. Uh, hello, uh, hello, Ms. Kola, how are you? 
I'm very well, Tepo. Thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Can you hear me well? Much better. Thanks. Okay. Am, am I audible? Yes, you're perfect, huh? just perfect. Okay. Uh, well, welcome to Law Focus. Uh, is it possible for you to give us a, a quick idea of more or less the number of cases that have been opened uh, since the beginning of lockdown uh, in March of this year? Do you know? Yes. Um, the number of cases that have been uh, opened are 588 for the period of the national lockdown. And these cases, um, this number that's 588 is for the period from the 26th of March to the 10th of June. So anything else that has happened between now and June, it doesn't form part of, 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 the, of the statistics that I'm giving you now. So these are the cases that we have received and um, they've been allocated and some of them are being still undergoing investigations. So are they in various stages of investigation in actual fact? Um, yeah, and then some have been finished. Some have sent um, the recommendations to either SAPS or and uh, and and NPA. Now that that's only about two and a half months or so. Uh, if you stay from about, yeah, is that is that normal to have about five hundred complaints in a two and a half month period, or is that unusual? Definitely, it's not usual. It, it oh. is it is not a usual case. Uh, this number is has, has gone quite high. Okay. And, 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 and now that you guys have like this, you know, huge uh, numbers that you guys have to now deal with, what exactly do you do taking, you know, moving forward? I think there might be people who don't know what IPUT does who are listening. There are people who might not know what IPUT does who are listening. Um, are you able to perhaps, you know, explain your line of work? And then also let us know, once the case is reported, what is the procedure until you get to dealing with uh, whoever it is who was the perpetrator? Okay, so, so the process generally uh, of lodging complaints, it starts with the legislation. Let me start with legislation. South African Police Service has got um, a mandate. They have a responsibility to ensure that whenever there's a case that's reported to any SAPS um, Police station, they they have the responsibility to report to IPIT. They are they are required by the IPIT Act to do so. They're compelled by the IPIT Act to do so. So once we receive them, once we receive them the docket over from, from SAPS, then um, IPIT commences with its investigation process. It depends, it varies from cases to cases. For example, other cases we, 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 our investigators would go to the crime scene and um, then, they, then they would do their own assessment. But for other cases, it would depend on the time frames and also on the nature of, of the complaint. So if it's post, it's post, um, it's, it's post them, them, the, the event or the, or the occurrence, then our investigators would do them the investigation. So then we obtain witness statements, obtain statements from witnesses that have seen the case, we obtain statements from the complainants, we get um, statements as well from the accused, and then uh, then, then, the, then the investigation process um, unfolds. So once we're done with the, with the investigation, um, there's two things that happen with our reports. For cases that are of criminal nature, we send a report to, to the NPA. And then the NPA can then, um, can then um, 
charge um, the, the, the accused criminally. For example, if it's a, if it's a major case, then that one goes straight to, to the NPA. And then for any other cases that, um, that relate to police, um, that, uh, that, that have got to do with the employer-employee relationship, then such cases we send to the CPS with recommendations. And then we could recommend that the person is dismissed. We can recommend that the person um, gets leave without pay. We can recommend that, um, that um, leave without pay, the uh, person is dismissed, or, or anything that's, with, that's within the Labor Relations Act. So then that's the process. And then we, after we've given the recommendations or or the report to, to NPA, then they've got an obligation to revert back to, to, to IPIT within a period of 30 days. So within 30 days, they're going to revert back to us. They're going to inform us if they have, um, they, they, they concur with our findings and then they're implementing them as they are, or if they've got a different finding to, to, to the IPID investigation. So basically that's the process. And then in between we've got meetings with, with, with those uh, key stakeholders and then on, on processes and, um, and on cases and the nature of cases and, and how they're handled. Okay, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. Um, I think the, <laughs> maybe for, for, for my sake, I, I would need clarity on something. Uh, IPID then does IPA deal with all types of cases and it's not a limited mandate on police investigations only? Uh, because, you know, as you were speaking, I was wondering, okay, that means if, the, if a docket goes missing at a police station, if IPA has that information, then cases don't have to, you know, stop in the air somehow, or am I misunderstanding? Okay, the mandate of IPA is, is very much unlimited. We have, we're an oversight body, that um, that oversees what um, police uh, uh, police um, we, we are really responsible for the over, oversight over police um, officials as well as municipal police officials. So what we do is that we, we even within the police uh, they, we don't um, investigate each and every case that pertains to the police. We investigate death as a result of a police action. We investigate death in police custody. We investigate um, if a police discharges a firearm. We investigate that. And then if there's rape by the police or in police custody, we, we, we investigate such cases as well as torture and assault by police officials and other matters of corruption or anything that um, our executive director or the minister can deem, or, or the MEC for that matter, of the province can, can, can deem that um, it's, it's, it's important for, for IP to, to, to investigate. But it has to be um, a matter that, is, that includes the police that has been committed by, by the police officer. So we basically police the police. Right, I see. Now, you, you say the mandate is very wide, and it seems like it is, but the cases which Did I say wide or did I say limited? Limited. You, you thought it was quite unlimited, not limited. No, or no, is no. It quite limited? It's quite limited. Oh, it's quite limited. Oh, okay. It's limited to these areas that I've just alluded to. Right, maybe I misheard, okay. But what I wanted to know is the, the cases that sort of tend to make the news are the cases where there's been some kind of violence allegedly by the police to a member of the public or something violent has happened in police custody. Uh, of the cases that you, uh, as IPID, have to deal with, how many of those typically in a year would involve 
death of a, of an individual. So either in custody or the death of somebody is occurs at the hands of a police officer. How many of those in a year is it typical for IPRIT to deal with? All right, I do not have that sort of statistics with me right now, but I'm pretty much sure on our annual report, which is a public document, we would have that uh, that sort of statistics that would uh, that would indicate on an annual basis the sort of cases that we receive. But because when we were, when we we're preparing for this interview, we we're preparing specifically for the period um, of of the of the lockdown and the and the COVID nineteen related operations. So during the period, uh, the number of people that have died in the hands of police were, were 11 that um, IP is currently investigating. And then these are the cases that are as a result of contravention of disaster management uh, regulations. And, and of those cases of the people who have, um, you know, the case that you have received during lockdown, what else besides death has been prevalent? Okay, uh, besides death is assault, torture and assault, as well as discharge of, of official firearm. So those are three, those are three main, uh, main, 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 main matters that, uh, that we are investigating. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what would you say uh, in terms of ethnicity and gender, both of those tortures and assault, uh, who is most likely to be the victim, and in which provinces do we mostly see such um, cases being reported? Okay, uh, we do not have the statistical information. Do you know what the challenge that we that we normally have at IPID is that we we we, we <coughs> excuse me <coughs> we we just sorry excuse me. <coughs> As a matter of principle, we communicate our statistics twice a year, half yearly and at the end of the year, for a simple reason that before, when cases are registered and at the point when we've got findings, sometimes it does happen that uh, the nature of, 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 of the case changes. For example, someone could die because they could have been assaulted by a police um, officer and then the case is opened. And then would require the Department of Health officials to come into the scene and then the doctors, the specialist doctors, would come and, and do post-mortem. And then when the doctor does post-mortem, then the doctor would come back and say, no, this person did not die as a result of, of being assaulted by the police. This person has died because um, of, of heart attack, for example. So it does happen. Then when you get to the end of the year, then other cases could have completely changed. So that is why IPID most of the IPID does not necessarily um, communicate this, especially of cases that are still ongoing because it happens from time to time that then that the nature of cases when they're registered and at the point of, of findings that the, the, the case would have changed. But coming to, to the cases that we've dealt with during them during the COVID nineteen operations has had up to you that are currently um, investigating. Five of them are coming from Gauteng, and then two are from KZN, and the other two is from Western Cape, and then we'd have one from Northwest and, and one from Western Cape. So it would sort of give you, uh, make you understand that where, where which uh, provinces um, have got more and uh, more cases that, that we are investigating as a, as a result of um, police um, action, that is a result of, of police action. 
um, and I'm wondering there quickly, uh, um, the first point that you were explaining about maybe you are investigating a death and then somewhere uh, during there's that novice intervenience and it's no longer the police beating that results in the death, it's a heart attack. What do you guys then do in such a case? It's completely taken away from you. The police the, uh, uh, perpetrator then goes, nothing gets done with that. I mean, how do you then deal with a case like that? Do you just leave it completely? Or do you, is there still a way of you know, ensuring that you're still monitoring the system to ensure that it's not going to be a repeat um, offender of, or something of the sort? We definitely do not let um, the police officials go because remember, they would have assaulted the person and assault also qualifies for us to investigate. And remember that, as I've said, it would be a report that is coming from a specialist doctor, a pathologist from the Department of Health. So if a specialist doctor then comes and say, after they've done their, their, their own investigation, um, then they come up with the, with the finding that this person has died as a result of, of, of um, natural causes then would then um, still go ahead and, and, and investigate the assault that would have occurred. So we don't let them go, we still investigate. Okay, so I mean something must happen. If, if, so if there's an incident then some, there, there will be consequences, if there need to be consequences. That's what you say. Definitely, definitely there will be consequences. Because remember, there would have been, an, there would have been a police action that would have resulted to that person, um, to that case being brought to the attention of IPID, right? Mm. And initially, we do, the case would be recorded in IPID system as, um, as a death as a result of police action. And then other stakeholders also play a part here. For example, the Department of Health, as I've indicated, then the specialist doctor comes and say, they certify if the person is dead, for example, and then what are the causes of death, and then they do their, their post-mortem, then when they come with their post-mortem report, and then the post-mortem report says that this person has died because of, of natural causes, or this person has died because of heart attack, then we don't necessarily um, we don't necessarily absolve the police. But what we do is that we would then investigate maybe the the, the, the the nature of the investigation and what we would have been investigating in terms of the IPID Act would change. So if we if we if we were initially investigating death, then we're going to change. Right. To, I was studying um, adversity that we used to do quite a few cases where the accused was a police officer who'd overstepped the mark. Um, and, and these are old cases, not, uh, not recent cases. These are, most of them were pre-1994 cases, or they were around about the mid-90s, the cases that we were studying. And it seemed as though there was, uh, at that time, a culture of, of we must apply the law regardless of who gets hurt and how we hurt the person, we must apply the law. Have, would you say that in the last 26 years or 30 years or so, the police culture has changed and moved away from that attitude of we must apply the law regardless of what happens? Or do we still have that problem, um, like we're seeing perhaps in... in in lockdown where the police some police officers will say we must apply the law the law is the law it doesn't matter what you you know this is what the rules say 
we're going I, to apply. I, I interrupted to get your actual question here. So what I'm saying is for a long time in South Africa, we've had a situation where um, uh, police officers in the past acted with impunity where there were no consequences, they simply applied the law or they went further than what during the apartheid days, even during the mid-90s. What I'm saying is, do you as IPID, when you observe the police today, has the culture shifted or changed or has this lockdown exposed some, some problems that still exist in the police force? Okay. The reason why, the reason why um, police had gone out uh, to the community was to enforce the law. Right before, before, before you have these incidences, police go out into police go out into into the community, and they, they go and to to do their mandate of of of, of uh, enforcing the law. Right. So I think it is it is quite it is quite important that before you you you, you ask this question, we understand that there's some sort of conduct by community. That is, uh, that is contrary to the law. So I think what is important for IPD is that we, we, we want to, we in actual fact, to appeal to communities that they must try by all means to, to abide and, and conduct themselves within the ambit of the law. Having said that, that does not give the police a supreme right or some sort of power over the people. You understand? So police have got as well, they also have got a responsibility to ensure that they conduct themselves within the SAP Act as well as within them, within them, their, their code of conduct. They have a code of conduct. They also have got a responsibility to ensure that they conduct their responsibilities and they enforce the laws within the ambit of the law that also governs them. They are not supreme to the laws of the land. Do you understand? So we always do that. We always, that's why we have IP to police the police because police do not have divine power over, or supreme power over the people. So when they do their responsibility, they also have to observe the law. But we'd also like to encourage the people that they must also observe the rules of the land and, um, and try by all means to cooperate with the police. Yeah. Yes, well, that, I understand you. My question was more along the lines of, has things have things improved in the police force in terms of distance, uh, enforcing the law, but within, you know, the correct, uh, you know, using the correct methods? Has that improved over the years or are we still having quite a serious problem? What is you on it? Is the police force getting better? Okay, at I, I would not have anything, a data that would date back to the period of alluded to up to date. But I also want to, to indicate to you that, um, the mandate of IPIT, as I've indicated earlier, is quite limited, and we are investigating these precise matters that have been prescribed by the IPIT Act. So how police are conducting themselves from a particular period, uh, the defined period, I think SAPS would be best empowered to give you that sort of information, if, because there's also other matters that are outside the mandate of IPIT that police could, uh, could be contravening laws on. You understand? So I think that's a, sort of a broad question that goes beyond the scope of IPIT, and uh, we wouldn't have that, that comparative information, but I believe that uh, my colleagues from SAPS, um, in, the, in their communications, they, they could assist. Okay, thank you so much, Ndileka, for that. Um, I think you said a mouthful, and some of it can be bordering on, it's not confusing as such, but, you know, there are a lot of defined lines that need to be defined and, and for it to be clear um, for the public as well to understand, you know, how the system of 
keeping the law and having people who might abuse the law, how it's supposed to work. Are police ever justified, would you say, um, according to your, your understanding of your mandate as IPED, uh, to ever use force? And, 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 and then how do we then, if they are, how do we then, you know, define the fine line between the use of force and the police brutality? I'll give you an example. During the lockdown, we've got, you know, a lot of people maybe who are not complying, as you said uh, correctly earlier on. Uh, with the lockdown restrictions that have been said, people are outside in the street, we are on level five, people are not inside the home as we are supposed to. And we know that there's a virus going around, the police are not immune to the virus, they too can get sick. And then how do you then define the line between the police having to say, hey, we're now go inside the house. And then who does not go into the house? I said, they're chilling. A person is not going into the house. Uh, obviously, there's a risk in the police coming close handcuffing them, social distancing, I say, Cornelio. Uh, so how do we then, uh, you know, how is the police supposed to <laughs> um, deal with, with the situation? Like, what's the right thing for them to do so that they also don't break the law in as much as these people are not complying with the law? So that fine line between the use of force, if it's, it, it can be used at all, and police brutality. Okay. Um, as I paid, we condemn the excessive use of force by police and we do so in strongest terms. We believe that um, police have got to be courteous when they deal with the people. They've got to be respectful when they deal with the people. They have to communicate with the people and make sure that people understand and, and they actually understand that they're breaking the law, you understand. So it's very important for police to engage with the people. But uh, when a police officer's life is under imminent danger, or threats. That is the only time then that um, that is that that the exception applies, if I may say. Okay, so I mean they they are allowed to defend themselves. Um, yes, like no. It must be an imminent danger or a threat. For example, if a community member then points a gun towards the police, obviously the person is fighting with the police, like like such such nature of cases. Okay, I see. I see now. Does IPID assist with, um, on the one hand, yes, the, the police are disciplined if they are found to have contravened the rules or the law. Uh, does uh, uh, IPID assist on the other side, let's say there's compensation that is due, or must a victim claim that, say, through the court, or does IPID get involved in that process as well? No. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so then, <laughs> so it's straight to court. Our, our mandate is limited. We don't investigate everything um, mm. that has got to do with the police. We we are very much um, limited to those um, eight items that are that are in our in the in the in the, in the, in the eight section twenty-eight. There's got about eight um, eight matters that um, that mandates IPIT to, to to investigate, and anything mm. that falls outside the IPIT mandate then IPIT does not investigate. Okay. Well, we're, 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 we're running a little bit short of time, so we're probably just going to ask you a couple more questions. How accessible are you and where can you be found? Okay. Um, we've got a, our, our head office, we are based in Pretoria. We've got, pro, we've got offices in all nine provinces. And then in, in those provinces, we've got provincial heads that are senior management, 
So they all have got numbers that are accessible. They are available on our website. And our website is www.ipid.gov.za. And then secondly, we also have got a number that um, community members call whenever they need to lodge complaints with IPID. And uh, it's 012-399-0000. And then as well, on our website, if someone needs to, to lodge the complaint, the form is, is available in, on our website. And uh, the person can fill in the form and, 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 and scan their complaint and send to our email that is complaints at ipeach.gov.za. And we are, also, we are also available on social media, though we are not um, necessarily there because we, 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 are, we are currently short-staffed, but we do have um, um, a Twitter, Twitter account that, that, um, that uh, we also sometimes get some of the complaints and charities questions on, on Twitter. So those are those are the platforms that um, that are, are, are available for people to to launch their campaigns. Uh, thank you so much, Deca. Yes, we are still here. Um, I don't know if, if, if Tepo disappeared for a moment. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think we appreciate your time, understanding. I put a bit more, and hopefully, this is something that we can do. You know, every now and again, it's so important. There are so many different institutions in the country, and I feel like not everyone is well versed on what's available to them and which institutions to go to to seek help. You know, so it's important, yeah. and I'm so happy that I put has um you know, come onto Law Focus and, you know, given us more information about their mandate and the work that you guys do. I learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners did. So thank you so much for joining us this evening on Law Focus. Thank you so much for having us. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. So today we're speaking to Titus Mamedze, who's a resident of Alex and suffered a brutal, brutal assault at the hands of the police. Um, we heard what he had to say. It's very disturbing. Uh, let's hope that something uh, um, good can come out of that, um, that he gets justice and that his case is not simply forgotten. Um, we also heard from Ms. Ndileka Kola, who was part of IPID, very insightful. A lot of information that we got there, you know, the limits of what IPID can actually do and where they can be of, of great use. I didn't know some of the things that um, that she had told us, but I, and, and I'm very glad that she, you know, explained as well as clarified a couple of issues for us. Um, so that was a very good conversation. So keep tuned into our show so that you can enjoy uh, more uh, legal information and stories. Good night from, thank you and good night from our team. That's Mitsap Mahapi, Millicent Ndueni, Rifili Mekwa, Kudwane Serame, and everyone else at the studio. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus Podcast.